I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new Season 3, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Live Mike. I am Lee Lonsberry. You've gotten to know me a little bit over this past year, right, that you and I have been hanging out each afternoon together. You know that I am uh, typically going to err on the side of let the free market do what it will, that free market forces are the ones that will carry the day. And if there is a problem, uh, the, the, the highest likelihood, and this is, of course, in my humble opinion, uh, not so humble. I'm kidding. Uh, the the highest likelihood is that if the free market is allowed to to operate freely, uh, then that problem will get sorted out. And I've applied that attitude uh, to the debate over the past number of years surrounding the minimum wage. And I know, probably uh, ignorantly, I have said, well, if you uh, if you don't want to get paid uh, X amount of dollars, don't accept a job that is offering X amount of dollars. And people say, well, Lee, no, listen, there's there's only so many jobs available and uh you know sometimes you don't really have a choice and i say okay okay fine i get all right, all right great, great great uh i'm, I'm a hands-off guy well as the debate over the minimum wage has developed over the past few years there are really two approaches there could be you know an increase in the federal minimum wage which i think is in the seven dollar neighborhood right now uh or or employers could simply make it known that as a policy, their organization uh, will not, regardless of the job you are working, uh, they will not pay you less than X amount of dollars. Well, uh, there's a new high water mark right now, uh, and this one is Hobby Lobby. You've heard them uh, most recently in the news after you know they, they kind of made their way through the Supreme Court. Well, now uh, making headlines again for announcing to the world and to their employees that they are setting their own self-imposed uh, minimum wage at $17 an hour. Joining me to discuss that and some other things that uh, revolve around minimum wage and living wage and such like that is Debbie Dejanovic uh, joining me now. Debbie, Hi. how are you? I'm good. I'm really excited for the employees at Hobby Lobby and all I the know. future employees. 17 bucks an hour. That's pretty good. $35,000 a year. However, I'm not 100% certainly that those are you know full-time jobs. Uh-huh. Um, but still, $17 an hour sure beats the $3.25 an hour I was getting paid <laughs> back in the day when I worked retail. That retail uh, my, first, my first minimum wage job was uh, uh, $5.15, I believe it was, and it was at the McDonald's down the street from my house. I would work a few shifts a week. I'd walk down behind my house along the Greenway through this trailer park across uh, Route 408, and there I would be for a few hours a day working at McDonald's. I had the experience of working in McDonald's drive-thru when I was the morning show reporter for KSL Television for a number of years. And they put me on the morning shift at the drive-thru at the Centerville McDonald's, and the line was backed up for miles. (laughs) You deserve combat pay if you work the drive-thru at the McDonald's. It was a thrill. I come from a real small town, so most of my customers were like friends or parents of friends. Let me ask you, the the, and we've got a a bunch of stuff to get to here in a second, so sorry for wasting time here, but... What was the story? Why were you working the drive-thru counter? Do you remember? Uh, 
I wanted to experience, I experienced several different jobs that week. I and see. one of them was the McDonald's, the drive through And I wanted to put myself, oh, I actually have always wanted to do this. If I could uh, clone myself and work a whole bunch of different jobs just okay. to go through the experience. Uh, I think I was a postal sort. I drove a, one day I drove a snowplow. I w- worked behind the scenes at the post office. And then one day um, I sat behind the you didn't. You don't sit at the drive-through. You run oh, no. around. It was insane. I couldn't hear what people were saying. I was trying to beat a clock. There's a clock there oh. in order to make sure you keep the customers moving through. I just I messed everything up that day, and I really appreciated the work that the folks do behind there. So I don't ever yell at anybody at the drive-through. No, and if you do, if you're listening right now and you are of the ilk to to yell at someone at the <laughs> drive-through, uh, you cut them a break yeah. because they're certainly not making the 17 bucks being paid at Hobby Lobby. All mm-hmm. right, uh, cut them some slack. You spoke today uh, with uh, Nate McDonald. Uh, tell me, why did you have that conversation? What did you guys discuss? Department of Workforce Services, of course. A lot of the jobs that are available go through their website. Um, and uh, Nate is really the expert go-to person on you know, who can, who's really getting these jobs. So at $17 an hour, where we're at right now with the pandemic and so many people out of work, those types of jobs, you look at Hobby Lobby, now 17 Target, now $15 an hour uh, permanently very soon, Best Buy moving to $15 an hour, those jobs are going to adults. So what we brought Nate McDonald on the Dave and Dujanovic show to talk about was what are the jobs now available to teens and in what kind of um, hourly wage range can teens expect to get? Because it's probably not going to be the $15 an hour. Dave asked a great question. Uh, He asked where kids can find work uh, right now, because as you just described, it's challenging. What used to be a teenage job, you know, stocking shelves at Best Buy, uh, maybe going to someone right Mm -hmm. now trying to keep the lights on at home. Typically, where we see teenagers, you know, uh, where co- uh, companies are, are paying teenage wages and so forth, you mentioned the minimum wage. And to be honest, most companies are, are, are paying more than a minim- the minimum wage right now. If we look at, say, the, the 10th percentile of, of wages, and that's typically where we would see teenagers and high schoolers fit, uh, you know, yeah, they're in that high 7 to 8 to $9 an hour type job, some getting up there in $10 an hour, depending on the on the type of work that it is more of the the labor intensive type work um you know prior to the pandemic we we're seeing them bump more closer to that 25th percentile group where it is in that 10 plus an hour but right now it, it, because we're seeing more adults that are needing work and and, and it's going to trickle over into that area it's going to be in retail um it's going to be in restaurant opportunities that's those are the jobs that I worked as a teenager when I was young, and uh, though my coworkers were all fellow teenagers, the only actual adults in the room uh, were the managers and sometimes the shift managers. Uh, but it was the bosses who were the adults, and now uh, the trend is, thanks to COVID, uh, that uh, that it's more adults occupying those roles. As a teenager, I worked retail, um, and I made three dollars and twenty-five cents an hour. And the the one benefit with retail, I feel, as I'm talking to my teens, and now they're a little older, they're in their twenties, is that there's flexible hours that can fit your schedule. Right. And I worked evenings a lot. I actually worked at my family, our family's foundry, in the morning, in the uh, afternoons, in the summer, um, for I. I think I worked for free, but we'll have that discussion another day. <laughs> Thanks, Dad. Uh, and then uh, I would go in the evenings to the men's retail store that I worked at, and I would work there until 10 or 10.30 at night. And that those hours really allow for flexibility for teens. And 
I'm glad to hear that those jobs are paying more for teens because a lot of kids are, are trying to, you know, get into a car, get into college. And these are the kinds of, I mean, it's, it's not going to be a windfall of money, but it's going to be a lot more than $7.25 an hour, which is now the federal minimum wage. And those, and those one, two, three dollar differences can be the difference between, uh, you know, just getting by uh, or, as you mentioned, you know, saving up for a car. And that changes everything, right? If you are a young person w- with a car, uh, you are no longer, you know, relegated to the jobs available to you uh, within walking distance, within cycling distance. Or maybe if you're lucky, mom or dad will drive you. You got your own car. You're reaching out and working somewhere else. But make no mistake about it, Lee. Uh, housing is still unaffordable, even at $17 an hour. You need to make about $19.50 an hour in order to fo- afford a one-bedroom apartment. You need to be in the $24 an hour range to afford a two-bedroom apartment. So this, even though the minimum wage right. for a lot of uh, companies is going up because the companies are raising them by themselves without the, you know Congress doing anything about it, a lot of folks still cannot afford to live on their own without having a roommate because I think the average one bedroom right now in Salt Lake City, if I'm not mistaken, is going for $1,094 a month. That's wild. That's wild. At that stage in my life, I couldn't afford that. Absolutely not. Uh, wild stuff. And we'll. And the thing is, the, the, the solutions to that uh, is a debate that could transpire here on these airwaves for hours and hours to come. But Who's isn't it fascinating we- that a year and a half or two years ago, Lee, Dave and I were on the, on our show talking about whether Congress should raise the federal minimum wage. And yet in the last few years, what we've seen is a lot of major private companies doing it on their own. I mean, at this point right now, Hobby Lobby is paying $10 more than what the federal standard is. I, I, I applaud that. I, I think it's wonderful. And I hope that that action, the action of uh, Amazon and Target and Best Buy and now a new high watermark Hobby Lobby, I hope that is the attitude and the action that uh, spreads and creates action by other companies. Uh, I, I would love to see the free market make the decision uh, and, and let Congress stay out of this one. Maybe you and I should place bets after the show on when does it go to $20 an hour? Who, who sets the – and which company sets the high water mark? Is it, it going to be a big money? Who's the first one through the wall? Starbucks. Could, could Starbucks – the, do they have the money there to, to do it? Who knows? I like it. Thank you so much, Debbie. Uh, Thanks, good Lee. looking back over your uh, your employment career. Uh, <laughs> that have been exciting. I, I wish I would have pulled up to the drive. I didn't there. talk about the twenty five cent an hour that I made as a babysitter. That, that's <laughs> robbery. That's robbery. Uh, Debbie Dejanovic, thank you so much. Here, Dave and Debbie, each morning nine to noon here on KSL News Radio. We're going to take a break right now. We're going to continue the theme of money uh, after the break. We'll welcome back to the program Shane Stewart, certified financial planner at DMBA. There are a number of Americans, a startlingly high number of Americans, dipping into their retirement savings. Is that you? Have you done that? We're going to get some advice from Shane Stewart. You may be able to avoid that option. That's ahead on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind 
only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com. Follow us on Apple Podcasts or anywhere else you listen.